Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome to the pod, Basket Boys. Back for episode two, 2016-2017 season. Still in the middle of preseason, which is starting to get boring. Yeah. I've watched some highlights. Can't watch any games. Like, unless you have cable, you can only watch, like, local games, or you have to find streams online. Yeah, I've watched, you know, the nights that have, like, six games, there's, like, two of them that are on League Pass. So that's usually, I don't... See what, you get to watch, like, Bucks Magic? You watch like the yeah. Bucks B squad and the Magic B squad play each other. The Bucks are going to be really bad this year. They're not going to be good. They've like, uh, like nobody really plays that hard on defense in preseason. So you see, like you know, like the every Rockets game is like each team is scoring like 120 plus because they're shooting a million threes and then just giving up that many on the other end. And then you look at the Bucks and they like um, only crack 80 points like every other game. Mm-hmm. Because no one on their team can shoot threes except Chris Middleton. I mean, they did. They got Tladovic and Delhi. Those both of those guys are pretty good, but they're bench players. So like, it's not like they're going to be playing thirty plus minutes a game. I mean, maybe Delhi if he can like work his way into it because he he you know he is like that hustle guy that can you know you can you can play him and who's their who's their point guard now that they traded they in- traded MCW. So my my guess is they'll either if they don't start Delhi at the one they might just start. I mean, Giannis is going to be the effective point guard anyway. Um, but I, I, this move makes me think that they might just, you know, say Giannis is our point guard and start in there and then just start, you know, normal people at the other positions and then just treat Giannis as the point guard and then figure it out on defense. Yeah, I mean, Delhi doesn't need the ball in his hands to play, so you could play him at, like, the quote one and then just put Giannis at the three and then just yeah. have, run the entire offense through him and have him be a point forward. And it, it can still work because, I mean, last year and the last two years that Delavadova has been on the Cavs, he's shown that he can play pretty effectively off the ball yeah. and, as well he can as play the ball. Way, so. So. But, yeah, yeah I, I'm kind. Of, it's kind of weird that they – I mean, I understand they want to, like, get value for Michael Carter – Michael Carter Williams, since they probably were not intending to sign him, resign him to whatever his deal was going to end up being next summer. Maybe they should have thought about that before they traded for him two years ago. Yeah, um, they could have had uh, the Lakers uh, pick that's only top one protected this year, and so, said they decided they wanted Michael Carter Williams. Yeah, he's not that good. Yeah, I mean he could be. I mean he could be Rondo esque, maybe if like like you know when Rondo in his prime. But Ron I mean, can't was shoot. Like a great defensive player and like a really good like yeah, and then he passer. And Michael Carter Williams is like an okay passer for a point guard and can score points whenever um, he's on the Sixers and they let him like do whatever he wants every single possession. Just a, a ton of volume and really low efficiency. But I mean, I think his best case scenario at this point is like Sean Livingston. I mean, Sean Livingston's a pretty good best-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, that's still, like, a six-man on a title team, but, like, you know, a guy that won rookie shoot as well as he can. I mean... Livingston uh, just doesn't shoot three at all. Yeah, Livingston isn't very reliable past, like, 20 feet, but, like, pretty much any time, if he pulls up within 20 feet, he's probably going to make it, like, 60% of the time. Which And the reason Livingston is an effective player is he's a good defender, and he only does the things that he's good at and never steps outside of his comfort zone. And so... He's reliable in that way, which at this point Michael Carter Williams is not because I mean part of that is just due to him like he his rookie year he was just given the ball because the Sixers were trying to tank and had nothing else to do with it. 
and then got traded mid through midway through his second year and has never really found a consistent role with the Bucks because they're they're like kind of trying to be good but like yeah he just doesn't have enough like consistent his tools aren't there really I mean they're there but yeah he's a big point he guard but he's not to. like super athletic and yeah and he can't shoot at all so no one respects his jumper so it's just you have to be really good at the other things that you do to mm-hmm. be able to compensate for that yeah and I mean maybe he can find something on the Bulls but I mean, the, the Bulls, the thing is, it's a pretty low-risk move for the Bulls. Like, Tony Snell had all the opportunity in the world to carve out a role for himself the past three years and didn't do it because he's not very good. Like, he's an average three-point shooter at best and an average defender at best and doesn't do anything else well. So he's, like, the poorest man's version of a 3 and D wing that you can get. So there's just, like, he's never really inspired that much confidence to give him a bigger role in Chicago. But... Those things are, you know, defense and three-point shooting are things that are severely lacking for the Bucks. So, I mean, if they can get that in any capacity. Yeah, and honestly, and it, like, it's not like the Bucks are losing much by losing MCW except for the fact. I mean, you just have to be like, well, you, I mean, you can just criticize their moves they made in the past. Well, you sent picks and players yeah. for a, a guy you ended up trading for a mediocre player. And, yeah. and for what? Like, especially this season when you are – it's unlikely you're going to break 35 wins based on the fact that your best scorer, or at least your only guy who can score outside of 20, 20 feet, is going to lose, is going to miss basically the entire season. Yeah. So, and and this is like for the Bucks, it's like the, the biggest downside is like if like for some reason Giannis gets hurt or something, they're like really thin at point guard now because they traded Tyler Ennis to get Michael Beasley, and then they traded Michael Carter Williams to get Tony Snell. So they basically traded two point guards neither of which is great but is there are at least point guards for you know wing players so you know they're a little bit more thin at that position now but you know the the upside of this is that i think they're going to at least try to be semi-competitive this year in the sense that they want to be you know maybe the east's blazers they probably won't be but that's how they envision themselves as being like the surprise team up-and-comer that they may not be a contender this year, but can show that promise. And, you know, Snell at the very least gives them someone who can play minutes until Middleton gets back. And best case scenario, he thrives in their system and looks good, and they might want to actually re-sign him to a contract next summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just find out what happens. Um, The Warriors look good. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, I watched uh, I watched some highlights of their preseason game they played a week ago, and it's just like they're everyone should just give up. Yeah, I because mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, they were already like the best team by far last year. I mean, in the playoffs, they kind of obviously they 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 skidded and they they lost some of their momentum and their rhythm. But in the regular season, they showed that they were just by far the best team in the league. And then they added uh, a top two player. or uh, if, I mean, if you want to, for sake of argument, a top five player. And sure. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I was watching the highlights from last night where they played the Lakers, who, I mean. They're the Lakers, but, I mean. Just, like, the whenever the starters are out there, like, most NBA teams, like, half the teams in the league, like, they do a ton of work in their half-court offense 
to try to even generate like an okay shot and then hope they make it. And the Warriors are just, they just swing the ball around. Everybody has a pretty good shot and then they just, you know, can either take that shot or pass it up for an even better one because you have three of the best shooters in the league on the floor plus everybody is good at passing. Well, what's, and, and what's also like difficult to plan your defense is that at like three of the five guys in the court can are lights out from three and can penetrate and score the rim. Yeah. So it's like, what do you do? Do you, you hang back and let them take the shot? Do you play up close and let them cross you over and you just and then then and then what happens when they just drive in and they just kick out and then they just kick out to Steph Curry or they kick out to Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant or even Draymond Green and you're just you're just screwed. You're yeah. not you're not gonna there's just nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean in the past with the you know, when Kevin Durant and Steph Curry were on different teams, um a strategy you could employ was just like stick one guy on those guys to stay on them and then let them score in isolation and hope that their percentage is low enough to where you can keep keep up with them just based on them missing jump shots because everybody's going to miss them even if you're great but now it's like they have both those guys and so when they're both on the court like neither of them is going to feel is going to have to take a shot that they don't feel 100 percent confident taking like you saw tons of times over the past you know nine years with Katie on the Thunder that he would there are just tons of times when the offense would get bogged down and then they would just give it to KD and he'd end up taking like a contested pull up jumper which he can make but you know that's it's a tough thing to rely on on a consistent basis for your team to score and mm-hmm. the Warriors don't have to do that no they they there's just like there's no weaknesses right I mean the the only weakness they have as you could say is well they don't have a whole lot of depth but then you have to say like well, they kind of do. I mean, with Sean Livingston, David West off the bench, as well as uh, um, Iguodala. Yeah, Iguodala. Iguodala sorry, off the bench. You have. I mean, Patrick McCall looks like he can like they potentially play right away. Yeah, I mean, like they're they're maybe their twelve man lineup isn't as deep as some other teams. Like, of course, the Jazz and maybe um, I'm trying to think of some other teams that have some pretty decent depth throughout all the way to their their twelfth man. But like their eight man depth is just un- unmatchable. Yeah, with the fact that they're starting five as three of the three of the best fifteen players in the league, and if you want to sneak Draymond Green in there, I think you could definitely yeah, sneak I mean, him in the top all those 15. guys, four and, top twenty guys. Easily. Yeah, exactly, four top twenty guys on the starting starting roster with a very with a very above average center, and then coming off the bench, you've got Andre Iguodala, who is a um, you know one you know once was all star best player on his team, Sean Livingston, who is probably the best backup point guard in the league at this point now that Jeremy Lin is actually actually has a starting role. And and then um David West, who I mean he's old, but he's yeah. still gonna play well. As long with, with the low amount of minutes he's gonna play, he's gonna be he's gonna be good. So Yeah. The only question mark there I think is the the center position because they kind of had to patch together on short notice. Zaza's looked pretty good in the preseason. He was really good for the Mavs in the first half of last season, but, you know, really wore down towards the end of the year because he just, you know, hadn't been playing that many minutes in the past and he's getting Mm -hmm. older. So, I mean, assuming the Warriors are able to... And the thing is, they don't really have to worry about that too much because they can always play their small ball lineup with Kevin Durant, a 7-footer at the 4 and a 6'10 guy at the 5. Yeah, and you can patch together enough minutes, whether between the death lineup or just playing David West at the 5, which he can do for stretches. I mean... There just isn't going to be as much pressure on Zaza. Because, I mean, even even like with with the Mavs, I mean, it's not like he was ever their second best player or anything, but like because he had such a hot first first half, um, their playoff chances hung a lot on whether he could keep that up. But, I mean, this season, he he doesn't – he just has to be – 
Yeah. He has just to be on the court, and they can still win 70 games. Yeah, and, and last year the reason, like, Rick probably overplayed him in the first half of the season, mostly because he was the only center on the roster that he trusted to play that many minutes because – um, you know, Measury was still getting used to the NBA game. Uh, Dwight Powell was, was really, second year. yeah, he was inconsistent. Um, and then JaVale was JaVale. Um, I mean, JaVale's looked pretty, he's, he's looked pretty good. He's looked like a NBA player so far this preseason, yeah, but it's also preseason. He did some of that stuff for the Mavs last year, but you know, I, I think, you know, Rick Carlisle was not the type of guy who's going to trust a guy like JaVale to consistently make good decisions in like starters type minutes or even close to that. Um, but, you know, maybe Steve Kerr, if they decide, if he does end up making the roster, because that's still up in the air at this point, but if he does make the roster, then maybe Steve Kerr is willing to, you know, embrace the JaVale experience like he did with most Bates the past few years to kind of just let the guy do his thing and bench minutes. And you know. I mean, they do need some help with their center position. Um, they're not completely perfect, but I mean they're about as close as you can get in, you know, the NBA. But um, I could see him, you know, being being the last guy that makes the roster. And since they've already got, um, I mean, Iguodala can play anywhere from two to two to four. Honestly, like I mean, he's yeah. gonna be better at two and three. But you know, if you need to, you can play him as a small four. Um, and then Sean Livingston can also, honestly, he can play all the way from one to four. Really, yeah. I mean, he's gonna be. Not fantastic at the four, but like yeah, they they their defense is good enough switching to where they can, you know, they make they make plays defensively. Just so so many of their players are so versatile. Like yeah, I mean with, with with like I mean Steph really is best with the ball in his hands, but like because of the offense that Steve Kerr has created there, he has um, I mean he knows how to play off ball. I mean the only guy on the on the roster that I wouldn't trust. Like the starters that I wouldn't trust with the ball in his hands for a for a significant amount of time. Like save Zaza because he's a five, but would probably Clay Thompson. But he's still he's not bad at it. I mean, he's, he's gotten every year he's gotten better at making decisions off the dribble. And yeah, and with the fact that uh, Steph Curry missed some key games in the playoffs, and you got to see Clay Thompson um, a little bit more, and then he you know he missed some time, um, and you know people kind of started talking about well Clay Thompson isn't even a top top ten guy, and then he you know went out there and tried to prove him wrong and. Successfully did so, I, I would say, but um. yeah, I mean they have an embarrassment of riches, and they still have the advantage of everybody wanting to play together and play team basketball. KD seems like he's embraced that. You know, he's picked his spots, taking the shots that he's confident in, but moving the ball around and creating shots for everybody else too. So, I mean, they could their their starters could play twenty minutes twenty minutes a game this season. They could probably still win fifty five games. Yeah, like no problem. So, I mean, it's going to be scary to, to see. I mean, uh, being a Thunder fan, it's kind of depressing because I was watching some highlights of uh, some of the plays over the past few years, and um, it's gone now. It makes me sad. Yeah. But um, I'm also kind of excited to watch the Warriors as much as most people want to hate them. Like, they're going to be pretty exciting to watch. Yeah. I mean, I still don't like it's Steph great Curry. Basketball. I still, I don't, still don't, not a big fan of Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, but, like, Kevin Durant's my favorite player. And well, he's starting. He's he seems starting. like he's like like having more fun on the court, and yeah. that that's something that I'm interested in watching. So yeah, he's seems like he's picked up a few tricks from stuff. Yeah, there was the look away. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. That was. Uh, he also did that. He did something similar. Well, it wasn't a look away three. It was but like kind of taking taking uh, taking lessons from the Warriors in the in the summer with the Olympics. He did one of those like throw his hands up after something he thought someone was going to take a three situation and yeah. then <laughs> they actually passed the ball to him and they had him to clay last season so yeah. um i don't know 
I mean, I think the only team that can seriously take a run at them is probably the Cavs, and, and, and it's just... At, LeBron's won his championship in Cleveland. I'm not sure he's going to bring that same intensity yeah. that he's been bringing the last two years to to the playoffs. I'm sure he's going to play, you know, like LeBron plays, but, like, when he gets to the finals and he loses, I don't think he's going to be, like... I don't think it's going to kill him. I think yeah. he's going to be like, you know what, I'm 32, whatever he is now. Yeah. I'm he's... getting out of my age. I've six straight, seven straight finals. If he ends up making it there this year, and, and you know, he's like passed the torch on to this yeah. ridiculous team in the West. Yeah. But they, yeah, they got JR back, so the Cavs, like, have an ease, still pretty zero to the finals. I don't see anybody in the East at this point jumping I mean, out as a if, future block. No, I mean, if the, if the Celtics end up, like, everything coming together and, like, you know, a few of their players take steps. Um, maybe you see Jay Crowder take a little bit of s- some steps in his in his offensive game, or um, maybe you could say they they could they could challenge the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, I could see them giving them a good seven game series potentially. You know, if they play incredible defense and get some heroics from Isaiah Thomas. I mean, Brad Smith is probably a better coach than. Um, uh, oh shoot, I forgot his name. Teron Lue. Teron Lue. There we go. Yeah, he's probably a better coach. Uh, yeah. And but like, I mean, there's only so much you can do in coaching when your roster just is isn't as good as the yeah. other team's roster. And like, at the end of the day, the Cavs are still real, you know they have LeBron James and Kyrie Irving generating their offense, and those guys are pretty good on that end. So, um, regardless of coach, I think they would be pretty good. Yeah, of course. I mean, they proved that last year. Whenever they. Uh, I mean, it was basically Coach, Coach LeBron all year. I mean, David Blatt was there, but no one liked him, and no one really took him seriously. And then Teron Lue took over, and Teron Lue was basically a you know, front man for LeBron. LeBron yeah. wanted him as It was a more coach. collaborative. Yeah, I mean, there was there was definitely effort. some more love there, but um, I think you know LeBron, LeBron can take a team to a championship title on his own at this point with his experience and just the fact that he's got a really high basketball IQ. Um, and they have... You know, good players around him. So yeah, they lost some depth though. Losing losing Delhi was wasn't wasn't good. Yeah, so they they'll have to rely on K Felder or, um, which I haven't seen much of him. I saw him I saw that bad alley oop that, that like the bench unit. Some I don't know who it was, but some guy they were running the fast break. Felder passed it off to him, and then he went for the alley oop to, to what five ten Felder. Is, yeah. is he that tall? Is he like five ten, five eleven? Like five nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can dunk, but yeah, he's like he was the like measured like in the top five of like every athletic measurement at the combine. But yeah, but still, when you're five nine, it's still tough you to dunk. Have to. <laughs> so I mean, but I mean, he could be his best case scenario is like Isaiah Thomas, which is a pretty good player. So yeah, no, yeah. I mean, and I mean, I don't know much about him. I I saw a little mini doc that. Um, Somebody did. I think it, I don't know. It might have been Vox or something. Uh, Vice. I don't know. Somebody did a little mini doc on him where he ran a uh, a camp in whatever town he's from. <laughs> Chicago. Is he from Chicago? I forget where he's from. Maybe yeah, Detroit. Um, I think he's in somewhere up in the the like the lakes area. But um, yeah. I think they'll still be fine. I mean, against the Warriors, it's going to be tough, but against the East, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, in the West, um, I mean, I don't even know what's going to go on in the West. Like, the, the only the only certainty to me is the the Warriors. I mean, the, I could I could easily see the the Clippers being the two seed, but I could also easily see them being the five seed. Like just depending on how everything shakes out, where they yeah, have to go through they'll injuries. They'll be in that range. Yeah. The Spurs, like I'm worried. Um, I mean, they've got great players. They still got Pop. They've got Kawhi. They've got Lam- yeah. Marcus. But like without Duncan, I'm curious as to how their um, 
their uh, front court defense is gonna is gonna go because yeah. Marcus has never been a fantastic defender. Yeah, he's, and Pau he's is pretty good. Um, Pau is like he gets in the way at the rim, and that's kind of the only thing he's really effective at. Like, and the problem is he's pretty old too. Like yeah. I mean, luckily, like, he has the length to where we saw in the Olympics with that kind of... Because in the Olympics, the rules are a little bit different. You can kind of camp out in the paint a little bit more, which helps Powell because he can just kind of, like, stand by the rim and then just use his length to, like, alter shots for yeah. people driving towards him, which is harder to do in the NBA. You really have to, like, with the floor so much wider and the defensive three-seconds rule, you have to be kind of constantly moving your feet to be an effective defender, which he's not great at at this point in his career. Um, but they do have Dwayne Dedman, who's like a pretty good rim protector um, and defensive guy at the five. Um, I'm not sure how much he's going to play, but I mean, I would imagine that Pop will probably look to him as the backup five more than David Lee just for defensive purposes. But. Oh, I forgot David Lee was in the Spurs, too. There are a lot of old guys. Yeah. I guess it's their thing. But I think there's going to be some young guys that get significant minutes for them, too. Like, I think they're really going to look at Jonathan Simmons and. Uh, Kyle Anderson, Anderson to kind yeah. of take leaps into being like quality rotation players for them, which, you know, they're kind of shifting their core to be a little bit younger. You know, Manu and Tony Parker on their way out. Powell is only on a two-year deal. Um, yeah, they're really looking to make Kawhi their centerpiece while having Lomarcus Aldridge to pair with that well, because what, Aldridge is 29? 29 or 30, yeah. Yeah, so what, he, he's on a four-year deal, right? So he signed a four-year deal. He's so in he's the second year left. of a four-year deal. Yeah, so, so two years after this one. Yeah, so, I mean, if they, they've they got – yeah, I guess they've got a bit of a youth move, movement, but it's a youth movement for San Antonio, so you still have guys who are yeah. in their 30s on the roster. And, like, the thing is, like, as long as you're, like, that kind of, you know, top-tier playoff team, like, you can always rebuild and readjust your the surrounding pieces around your core guys depending on, you know – who you have available, whether it's, yeah. you know, finding guys out of the summer league like Jonathan Simmons and them turning into rotation players, or it's picking up veterans like David West who want to come and play one year to try to compete for a title. So when you're the Spurs, you have a, quite a few options to put together a playable roster. Yeah, I'd say most people are probably assuming that the Spurs are going to end up being the, the team that, that meets the Warriors in the conference finals. But honestly, I really hope it ends up being the Jazz. They... I, they have the I, talent. They have the talent. I mean, obviously the the Hayward injury is going to hurt them, but I think it's only going to hurt their record. If they end up making the playoffs, I think their their depth and skill will still allow them to make a pretty solid playoff run if yeah. if everything kind of works out. I mean, people have been kind of saying that about the Jazz for the last two years. Like, hey, look at the look at the roster. Look at the talent. They they have the they have the guys. They should be able to make you know a playoff berth and hopefully make it to the second round. But you know, Dante Exum got hurt. Um, Rudy Gobert missed some time. Yeah, and and they've got a fully healthy roster now. So um, I really really like to see the uh, see them take on the full strength Warriors. I mean, last yeah. year the, they gave the Warriors um, a pretty tough time in one of the the last regular season games they played each other and um, kind of put the Warriors beating the record on the on the chopping block and. I would like to kind of see that go on because the, the just just like defense versus offense. I mean, yeah, obviously the Warriors are fantastic yeah. not on defense too, but but yeah, I mean I think the Jazz's upside is the best defense in the league with all their yeah. guys because they have a bunch of great defenders on their team, uh, and they also have more veterans on the team now. Um, yeah, Joe Johnson, um, Boris Diaw, yeah. George Hill. Mm-hmm. Like I think they have they have added a bunch of quality players who you know. I'm are, I'm curious to see 
uh, if they end up slotting Dante Exum in at the starting point guard position sometime during the season. I, I'm assuming they'll probably continue, they'll probably play George Hill um, as the starting one for yeah. the majority of the season. But I, I'll, I'll, I'd be interested to see if um, if he ends up playing well enough to take on that role at some yeah. point in the season. It's kind of weird because, I mean, Hayward's out to start the season now. And so the I think de facto starting lineup would be Hill, Hood, Joe Johnson at the three, and then Favors and Gobert, uh, with Joe Johnson just basically re- replacing uh, Hayward's spot there. But you know, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn Snyder, at least for a game or two, tries out you know keeping Joe Johnson as a six man and kind of working him into that role, and then just starting Exum and and Rodney Hood as the two wings, and just you know seeing what what Exum can do with starters minutes playing with the other uh, guys in that lineup. That's probably good because like you don't have much to lose in the first part of that season when you have Gordon Hayward out. Um, but I mean, it depends on how much. I mean, they obviously want to make a, make the playoffs this year. That's that's been their goal. Um, that's their goal. They, their stated goal this year is to at least at the very least make the playoffs. So, um, here's to the Jazz. Hopefully, they do it. I'd like to see that. Yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm pretty. I'm pretty worried about the Thunder. Um, I love Russell Westbrook. He's a fantastic player, but like he he just and maybe he does it this season. Maybe he ends up getting get putting the team on his back and carrying them to 50 wins. Like uh, like like Katie was able to do three seasons ago whenever he won the MVP. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't, see the, I don't see the Thunder cracking the, the six seed. I mean, if best-case scenario this season, I think they're seven or eight. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough just because it's it's not like – I mean, I think it's, it's conceivable that you can have a, a top-half playoff team with a Thunder built around Russell Westbrook, but, like – They've kind of had to rebuild this team on the fly, and so there's a lot of pieces that are kind of still in flux. Their wing rotation is still um, undetermined at this point, and they have a lot of guys who either need to prove something or are limited, have flaws. So I think they need to – there's going to be a lot of growing pains, and I think there's going to be a lot of nights where they look pretty bad. Yeah. And there'll be some nights where they look good because Russell Westbrook's going to just, you know, put the team on his back. Or, you know, you'll have a a game where Kyle Singler scores 20, 25 points. Kyle Singler's actually pretty good this this preseason. I'm hoping that he ends up being, um, you know, a good wing player for them and possibly maybe even some nights slotting him in 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 favor of Robertson. Yeah. I mean, I think he's. he's He's been lights out from three so far this preseason. So hopefully that can keep up. Yeah. I mean, he can. I think he can play himself into the starting role if he is consistent enough and shoots, um, you know, shoots the ball well on a consistent basis. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, you want to do some awards predictions? Sure. Okay. So I guess we'll just do the the, the big four: the MVP, um, six man of the year, rookie of the year, coach of the year. Can you think of anything else? most improved yeah uh, I don't want to do that one that one's too hard to that one's hard but yeah it's kind of that one's the most fun because it, it requires a little bit more I mean if you want to do it I'll do yeah, it I mean I, I can try to think okay of sure quick. okay so we'll do those top do those five so I guess we can just start you want to start ramp up to MVP or do you want to start MVP you can start MVP that's okay um I think it I've thought about this a little bit over the past few weeks um I mean a lot of people are leaning toward Russell Westbrook just because he's going to have an entire season to himself, just just rack up triple doubles, and uh, I think if he does that, I think they have a chance. But um, I don't. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with LeBron. 
No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, no, I'm going to go with James Harden. James Harden, yeah. I mean, Harden's my pick because I actually think the the Rockets are going to be pretty good this year. And he's, I think he's going to put up like absurd numbers. The only problem with that is what seeding they get because it's it's been a long time since they've had a, a player win the MVP who was below the three seed. Yeah. I think it's been about 20, 30 years since yeah, that's happened. It's almost so, always like someone who's a, a team that's at least 50 wins. Yeah, it's going to be tough to give it to anyone on the Warriors unless they can keep up the – unless they happen to just, just like still like score 140 points every yeah. game and everyone still gets their points, but that's unlikely because – Yeah, the thing is like – That would require them to play like – play so many garbage time minutes the Warriors like I mean unless there's just a bunch of MVP voters that are still like thinking I mean I guess you know it depends on how you how you calculate the MVP everybody's kind of got a different idea for it um if you go best player on the best team that is kind of difficult for the Warriors because I think that Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are both going to be really good so it's going to be kind of hard to you know, decide between those two. And there's probably going to be some voter fatigue with Steph Curry, too. So. Yeah, and then just, like, overall best player. Like, I don't know if either one of those guys will, you know, do what Steph Curry did last year and just kind of, like, be head and shoulders over everybody else as far as production. Uh, just, you know, by not having to play that many minutes and, you know, not having to carry the offensive load night in and night out. Um, and as far as, like, in you know, value to your team, like, how many wins are you adding, like, at this point, the Warriors are so deep with stars that, like, any one of them could conceivably get hurt or something, and they would still be uh, probably the best team in the West. So, yeah. um, I, I think it's just hard to make the argument with both of those guys on the team that one of them is clearly the most valuable player in the whole league. Um, but and, and also, I think that with KD going there, the love fest with the Warriors is a little bit over. A lot of people are kind of, like tired of hearing about it and yeah. you know Steph Curry won it back to back because you know the Warriors were surprised how good they were two years ago um and then last year Steph was just so good that you had to vote for him yeah um but this year like if they're both putting up good but not all-time numbers and the Warriors are really really good I, I mean I don't think there's going to be as much like narrative and driving force around like any of the guys to kind of propel them to that spot LeBron would be a good pick if he it's going to be the minutes for me. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to play enough games for it to for him. To, I mean, they're, he's, they're probably going to be the one seed. They're going to be in the top two seeds probably. So that he's got that going for him. But I think the problem is he's probably not going to play enough games. Um, he's probably not going to play enough minutes. And I think he's still going to put up pretty good numbers. Like he's going to score twenty points per game. He's probably going to have around six assists and six rebounds a game. Yeah, but he, like his numbers will be good. But like he's yeah. The problem with LeBron is just like you watch him play like he did in the finals last year, and then watch how he plays in the regular season. And it's like how can you vote for his regular season production as most valuable when you know that he can play better than that? And you know he's mm-hmm. just not because he's saving it for the playoffs. So I think that kind of hurts him. But so that's why I like. Harden and Westbrook are the guys who I think are going to put up the best numbers. Yeah, let me let me interrupt here. Westbrook, he I think his biggest problem is going to be his efficiency and probably his their seeding and the Thunder record. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be they're going to win forty five games. They're going to they're going to be the seven or eight seed, and he's going to he's going to have like you know close to thirty points per game. Maybe he aver- maybe he's the first guy to average triple doubles. So I mean, if he does that, I feel like you that probably gives have an to argument, but it, like. But, it, it, see, I don't know, like, what the voter base of the MVP award looks like now. Like, I guess there's still a lot of people that are really impressed by, like, the triple doubles. But, like, a lot of people look more at, like, analytics, you know, look at the on-off numbers, the efficiency, and stuff like that. So, like, you know, you saw how, like, the 
crazy like counting stat that Rondo put up last year and almost everybody the consensus of everybody who like you know knows things about basketball was yeah he's putting up good numbers but he's not making the team better exactly um and so i mean i don't think russell's gonna have that kind of problem but i think he could have part of it where he yeah where like if he's putting up those insane numbers but they win you know like 42 games like it's or he's doing it at a case. bad per or something like yeah it's and, and then they end up being the seventh seed it's just like sure he had ridiculous numbers but he's the seventh seed and he did it pretty inefficiently and um yeah, and we saw the same thing with, I mean, I don't think they'll be as bad as the Kings, but DeMarcus Cousins put up incredible numbers the past few seasons with the Kings, but, like, the combination of them being bad and a lot of people don't like his attitude and don't think he, you know, makes the team as good as he could, that, that I mean, I'm his votes for All-Star and... I mean, I used to be that. very much against that attitude, but I don't know, I'm starting to kind of understand it. It's yeah. been It's been too long. It's been too long for you to be considered, quote, the best big man in the league and still be on a team who can't win 40 games. Yeah, and I, of course you can blame a ton of that on just the organization the back, there yeah. just not providing any consistency. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, the to- as and a And probably leader, also just the, the change in how the league works. Like, I think I think him being how good he is uh, 20 years ago, I think he probably could, could be on a team winning 40, 40 to 50 games. But now the league has moved a lot more toward three and D like just like threes being very important and wing players being the best players in the league point guards too. Um, But yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, there's all time great players who had that kind of narrative around them that we just kind of forgot. Like Hakeem during like the late eighties, early nineties, like the Rockets were kind of, they underperformed like after Samson got hurt Mm -hmm. and they like kind of, became like a borderline playoff team like in and out and he was putting up like absurd numbers like quadruple double type stuff but like the team wasn't that successful and a lot of people like the narrative around him they said you know he was selfish chasing stats and not making the team that much better and then they went and won two championships he was incredible and now he's considered like one of the greatest players of all time so sometimes just like it doesn't really you know like it takes a couple years and the right circumstance maybe the right coach with Dave Yeager and the right teammates and then you become a better team and then that kind of changes the conversation around you yeah okay we got to probably move on um so you say James Harden yeah yeah Yeah. I'm gonna say James Harden too like I just I I being a Thunder fan I want to pick Russell but the just due to things we mentioned I don't think he's gonna have I don't think he's gonna be able to do it but I think James Harden's got a really good shot so yeah that's where I'm gonna go to cool um I guess we can move on to rookie of the year. I think this one's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Now that Ben Simmons is hurt, uh, I honestly the 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 Philly or not the Phillies the uh, Philadelphia is starting to talk about lifting the minutes restriction and in allowing Embiid to play in back to backs, considering how well he's played in the postseason or not the sorry postseason the preseason. Yeah. Um. So I could see him winning it, and honestly, I'm going to cast my vote for him just because I think they'll probably lift the minutes restriction pretty quickly on him and at least get him into the twenty. Five to thirty-five point or minutes per game. Hopefully, yeah. they need to, he needs to get closer to thirty minutes a game to really be in that conversation. But because of Ben Simmons getting hurt, um, and then the draft class just being kind of weak, and also Brandon Ingram coming off the bench, there's going to have to be some sort of surprise with one of the other yeah. rookies for anyone to really take that and run with it. So I'm going to say Joel Embiid. Yeah, like I think th- this year is last year was kind of unique in that you had guys like Towns and Porzingis who like immediately became like starter players for their teams and played a lot of minutes and put up numbers and so it became a more you know there's actually like multiple players who were playing enough minutes to put up good stats um whereas a lot of years like you know the year that michael michael carter williams won like the reason he won was because it was a weak draft class you know and there weren't that many people they were actually playing enough minutes to warrant that conversation and so this year i mean they're 
I mean, the draft class, I think, is weak enough this year, at least with guys who demand a starting job immediately, that, you know, it's possible that there won't be any rookies that over the course of the season play more than, you know, 20 to 22 minutes a game because they're, they were all drafted into situations where they weren't the de facto starter. Yeah. And so I think if that's the case, then I think most voters will default to who looks like the best player in the minutes they played. And I think Joel Embiid has to be one of the favorites for that because he, you know, was a guy who was in the conversation as the number one pick in a draft that had two other great players, um, great prospects in Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker, and only slid to three because of his injury concerns and has looked great in preseason. Um, and so, I mean, I'm trying to think of anybody else that... Yeah, maybe there's going to be some some random player. I mean, if Buddy Heald has a great year, I could see it happening. Yeah, yeah but... maybe Buddy Heald. Uh, if it... <sighs> but, like, it just... Are there any, like, European players that came over that's been... I mean, Dragon Bender, but he's... Dragon Bender, I don't think will play enough minutes. Yeah, and, uh, and Saric won't. And Saric, I mean, I think I Saric think could play chance. a decent amount of minutes to start just because Simmons is hurt. That's true. That's true. Right. Yeah, I'd say I, 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 I think we're both on the same page. Here. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, guards who have really had good shooting seasons, like, right away to, like, as a template for heels. Like, the last guy I can think of is a rookie that really came in and was, like, you know, that kind of player was Damian Lillard. Um, he won Rookie of the Year, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was the, that was the same year as Anthony Davis, but I think he, he won it because he was better. Yeah, <laughs> as a rookie, yeah. Just not better as a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, it, he he's still pretty good. Yeah, no, he's still good. He's still great now. But, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I don't think Buddy Hill is as good as Damian Lillard, but, you know, no, he'll have the opportunity not. if he plays well enough. He doesn't – there's a few guys there. Yeah, he's, he's probably going to be a starter with. right off the bat. I yeah, mean, that's the like, reason why he wouldn't be. Yeah, he's basically competing with Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway for minutes to start the season. And so, assuming he can play better than those guys, all the minutes will be there. But it's like, would you rather vote for Buddy Heald, who's, like, playing 30 minutes and scoring, like, 14 points a game and shooting – you know, maybe 40% from the field or like Joel Embiid, who's, you know, only playing 20, 22 minutes, but is like putting up crazy numbers and looking awesome while doing it. Yeah. But I'll go with Embiid just because I love him and I think he's great. Yeah. I mean, he's been ridiculous. I saw a stat. It's like, he's played, uh, he scored 62 points in his 85 minutes so far this, this preseason. Yeah. And if he continues that sort of trend or even, even like just drops off a little bit on that, like I think he's going to be able to, he's going to be a pretty easy lock for rookie of the year. But if something happens and he just doesn't put up the same kind of production, um, which is honestly, it's something that can certainly happen because, you know, preseason, pre- preseason is preseason. And then maybe, but buddy healed can slot in there because he, you know, he plays 30 minutes a game, scores 16 points a game and happens to, you know, do it relatively efficiently. Yeah. So, um, what's next? Do you want to do defensive player of the year? Sure. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know to vote on. Is this. there any reason to vote against Kawhi? No, I mean, no. I think the like the main competition would be maybe Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Like if the Jazz are like the number one defense and Gobert has like a monster season, or Jay Crowder maybe. Maybe like he's a good defender, but like. I... Even at his best, like I don't think you can. Right, but like if the Kawhi. if the if the um, if the Celtics end up having like the best defense in the league, maybe because yeah. they have they have the oper- they have the ability to be that. If they end up being that, and he's probably, if not their best defender, one of their best defenders. And and I could see like a lot of people are starting to realize how good he is on defense and and what his what his potential is there. So I could see maybe the yeah. voters saying, 
um, kind of getting tired of voting for for Kawhi. But I don't yeah. honestly, they, people people love Kawhi. Yeah, like, the, the, the voters is, the, the voters love Kawhi. Yeah. So I could, like with defensive awards, like um, defensive teams and uh, Player of the Year, like that stuff relies on reputation so much because there's it's a little you know we've only recently come to find some reasonably reliable analytics to like measure how good guys actually are defensively besides just steals and blocks um and so you'll see a lot of guys just like you know vote on get voted in a reputation like ben wallace probably won one or two more defensive player of the years than he should have just because you know people are like oh well, ben wallace is still a good defender i'll vote for him again you know dwight howard won like what like four in a row like I think, you know, if there's kind of an established guy who's a great defender and is continuing to do the same thing, like, I think a lot of people will just vote for him again because they can't think of a better option. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna cast my vote for Kawhi just because I don't know enough about that kind of stuff anyway, and I know Kawhi is going to be a great defender because that stuff just, just doesn't go away. Yeah. So. I, I would say Kawhi is by far the favorite. Gobert is like the dark horse there. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess we can go on to Coach of the Year. I mean... Kerr won it last year. There haven't been very many back-to-back Coach of the Years. Um, and, like, yeah, I don't – even I, if they win a ton of games. like they, They'd have to break their record again for it to happen. I mean, I, I, even if they win, like, 72 games, I still think they're going to find someone else to vote for just because, like, they're going to say, well, yeah. And, and there's enough There's enough um, people voting for it that they, they look at the record, they look at the roster, and they say, of course you won 72 games. You have to be a pretty – all you have to do is be a pretty decent coach and you can win that many, kind of, that many games with that kind of roster. And then maybe they they vote for Pop or something. I mean, Pop's a really good, always a good choice. Um, yeah. Maybe Brad Stevens. Brad um, Stevens. I think if yeah, if the Celtics win fifty five or more games, mm-hmm. like maybe if they like you know the the Cavs kind of like sleep through parts of the season and the Celtics hit the one seed, I could definitely see Brad Stevens being, you know, in the conversation. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, if if the Rockets get a top three seed, Mike D'Antoni could could, could get in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, there will always be people people that will just vote for Pop because he's he's still the best coach in the league. Um, yeah. Zach Zach Harper. Yeah. It's like if if you think it's the award should just be you know the best coach and not necessarily like which team was the story this year, then you know you know Pop makes sense. That's always a safe choice. Uh, I like Quinn Snyder. Yeah, I mean, I because think he I think he, wait, this is his third, maybe third year with the the starting, like with the head I think coach third role. Third full year, at least. Third yeah. full year with the head coach role. Um, uh, he's got a really good roster. Um, a lot of people are very hyped on the Jazz. I think if they can even just remotely live up to it, win fifty, maybe fifty five games, I yeah. could see people voting for Quinn Snyder. Yeah, maybe. I think that's going to be tough though because I think they have to be the best in something. And if it's going to be that, they're going to have to be, like, by far the best defense, you yeah. know, maybe only giving up an average of, like, 98 points a game or something like that. Yeah, and, and I can uh, see that happening. I yeah. think if the, like, Timberwolves actually make the playoffs, I think Tom Thibodeau is yeah. definitely be okay. in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, like... Yeah, I think I'm just going to vote for Quinn Snyder. Like, okay. I... I like the Jazz, and I, I want the Jazz to succeed. I don't really know what else to do here, so I'm just going to yeah. vote for Quinn. I'll go Brad Brad Stevens because, you know, while they do have quite a few good players, they I think their success will depend on how well those players, like, mesh together, having a great defense and having an offense that flows, which I think will be, you know, a lot of people can attribute that to Brad Stevens coaching. Okay. So most improved players, the last one, um, you can you, – you go. I don't know. Okay. I don't know um, what to do here. So most improved, you typically see, I guess, uh, it's usually like 
youngish guys, uh-huh. you know, towards the end of the rookie deal, maybe that like, you know, take a leap that weren't necessarily expected to. Like a guy making a leap from his first year to his second year is generally not like one that you see as much because you kind of expect rookies to get better in their second year, mm-hmm. especially if they're like touted prospects. So I'm trying to think of somebody who. Ooh, what about Stephen Adams? Stephen Adams is 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 definitely an option if he like you know if he if he, if he brings what he was brings his level of play that he had in the playoffs to the regular season and is consistent with that throughout the season. Yeah. I could see him winning. Yeah, and I think a lot of people will vote off stats like and so his stats were pretty pedestrian yeah. last year, so if he, you know, you know, averages like I don't know, like 14 and 10 with like two blocks a game, that might be good enough and also looking like, you know, a dominant player at times, I think that could be Yeah, I I don't I mean if if Towns has like a a, a leap like Davis had, I mean, he already had a ridiculous yeah, first season, it's but just, it's not very many people are going to vote for a sophomore. Yeah, it's hard to say that because people already thought he was good. Yeah, and people are expecting, like, people expect rookies to get better right. in their second year. Like, so, you know, when you go from scoring 18 points a game to scoring, like, 24 points a game, it's like, well, you are you were a rookie last year, you're a sophomore now, you are already the, the, the census best rookie last year, so... Why? Like, why would we vote for you for most improved player when we were expecting right. you to do it? It's most of the time the award goes to someone where it wasn't really expected as much. Yeah, like McCollum last year was a guy who, you know, a lot of people thought could be a good player in more minutes, and then got the minutes and was a good player. But he, you know, he won. He uh, took his game up to a point and actually you know became the 20 point scorer that people thought that he could potentially be and they made the playoffs so it, it, it made sense um i'm trying to think of i mean i think rudy gobert would be another guy you could put in that category if he just comes out and has like that defensive player of the year type season yeah. like he looked dominant in the second half of uh 14 15 once they traded in his canter and he was the full-time starter um and then last year kind of struggled a little bit um throughout the season, you know, kind of being the first full-time starter. So I think actually one of the Jazz guys would be an interesting pick, either him or Rodney Hood, because they're guys who are young. Rodney Hood, this would be his, be his third year, right? Third year, okay. yeah. Second year as a full-time starter. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go, go go bear for that one because I think, you know, he could have a monster season, and if he looks like that, like, you know, best defensive big guy in the league for the whole season and they're like a top-tier defense, then I think it yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I forgot about six man of the year, so we'll do this one last one, and we can wrap it up. Um, so Jamal Crawford won it last year. Um, I don't think there's any way he wins it again, right? <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it depends. Like, are there any? I mean, uh, Zebo has said he's coming off the bench, so that's some guy you can look at and if say maybe he can do it. Team, yeah. If they're a playoff team, um, but I don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, Zebo wasn't great last year anyway, so yeah. I don't see that I mean, happening. In his canter, like the the perception is, is the slowly bench? shifting. I mean, I don't know if he's coming off the bench, but. Like, last season, I think he played well enough to win it, actually. But, like, there was still kind of the shifting perception of he's a terrible defender and not that good and not worth the contract he got. But I think if he puts in a, another productive year and looks, like, semi-passable on defense and continues to be a monster on the offensive glass and offensive end, like, I think he has to be in the conversation just because... Yeah, and that's that, if he comes off the bench, which he probably will, unless they want to play... Adams and Cantor together, which... Yeah, which they will for some stretches, I think, but I don't know if they'll want to start that. Yeah, I don't think they will. But he has the advantage of being a guy who can put up big numbers in, like, only, like, 20 minutes a game. Like, he's just... His per-minute production is really, really good. Mm -hmm. So that 
kind of helps people voting because they can look, okay, pull up a list of everybody who played the majority of their minutes off the bench, and then, you know, Cantor's stats are going to jump out as far as a per-game basis, which um, will probably help with that. I'm trying to think of anybody else who's, like, because usually it's, you know, playoff teams yeah. are going to be the ones that have um, the six-man candidates. I mean, Iguodala, maybe. Iguodala. Although maybe, he said maybe that he doesn't Livingston. even want it. <laughs> maybe Sean Livingston. Livingston. Um, maybe. I mean, that's going to be a really good team. He's probably going to play more minutes this year than he played in previous years just because there's going to be – I mean, considering how much garbage time there was last year, there's probably going to be more garbage time this year for that team. So – Maybe he can. Maybe he can yeah. with with, an, if, with slightly increased minutes. Maybe I could that definitely gets his stats see, up higher. Um, I could definitely see Eric Gordon if he, you know, if D'Antoni decides that he wants to bring him off the bench for the whole season. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. Like he'll probably play like thirty plus minutes. And if he, you know, happens to just like be the six man nominally, then I think his numbers will be good enough to where he could mm-hmm. win it. So I think that would be a reasonable choice too. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take a leap and say Sean Livingston. I'm gonna. I mean, I don't. I don't really know where I'm coming from here, but I mean, I don't have any other solid, like, ideas. So yeah, I'll say him. I'll go Eric Gordon. Okay, cool. All right, well, we can wrap it up here. It's been almost an hour long, long maybe longer. So um, thanks for joining, everyone. We appreciate you listening. Uh, if you want to tell your friends, we'd appreciate that too. Bye.